It is the dawn of a new day. And we're going to get to that in a second. Holla, holla, holla. How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? Brian Westbrook, David Enger, the Ingber, the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, I want to get this information right off the top because I don't want you to miss it. We are heading into the championship week of the LFGL. I lost in the first round. It was annoying. I destroyed yesterday. But anyway, the championship, what I need you to do, and this is why I'm leading with this, I need you to hit up my guy, William Ezel, WGE2 on Instagram. He's also in the Sleeper League. He's the huge commissioner or any emails you've had within the past. I need you to message him your league name, your team name, and what your starting lineup is. So if you want to take a screenshot of it or whatever, because remember... Everybody in all of the leagues, the champions, are facing off this weekend. WGE2, William Ezel, E-Z-E-L-L. Now we're back. Ingber, I see words behind your pursed lips. (laughs) I I, I was going to buy a Jalen Hurts jersey last night. Uh, That's how excited I am. I know you wanted to save that, so I'll allow you to to bring up the Eagles when you want. We are not saving (laughs) anything. We are getting right into it. Nearly a double-digit underdog, Jalen Hurts, inside Lincoln Financial Field. I'm telling you, what did we say last week? Oh, since we've put them to sleep, this is when they come awake. The birds are back. Uh, You know what? Just to set some some real important The birds are back. The birds are back. <laughs> Ingber, just read off a bunch of those Eagles statistics that you had about Jalen Hurts. Uh, four o'clock game, Eagles win by three. They really went, went uh, one felt like by double digits. But Ingber, let's well, get First of all, stats. he was the youngest starting quarterback in Eagles history, supplanting a legend in Randall Cunningham. And while we're putting them, while we're putting up, uh, putting them up next to some top names here, how about NFL research telling us that he is the only player besides Lamar Jackson? to have 100 yards rushing Woo! in his first start as a quarterback. Uh, Doug Peterson, this is from Sports Illustrated. Doug Peterson is now 11-2 and two without Carson Wentz as his starting QB. It's like he's he's replaced Sean Payton as the oh. king of the backup quarterback. Um, and then weirdly, this was like the, the, the exciting running back stat of the game. There have been 11 runs of 70-plus yards in the NFL this year. Miles Sanders has three of them. An 82-yard scamper from the guy Miles. That was from PFF. Randall, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. I just don't understand why he hasn't been named the starter for next week. This guy has like lit a fire under the city of Philadelphia. Like this guy is so exciting. Oh, you mean Jalen the Spark Hurts? That's all. That's what I'm calling him. I'm just calling him the Spark. Uh, Okay, you know what, Westbrook. You're sitting there, you probably did a pregame show, and you're going, man, this is a really tough Saints defense. This is a tough situation to put Jalen Hurts into. You know, when they drafted him in the second round, they said we want him to kind of be like Taysom Hill. He's on the other sideline. This is a Saints team scratching and crawling, trying to get that first seed in the NFC, and the game starts. And I just want to know what's popping in Westbrook's big old noggin. Well, uh, to your to your point, I'm saying this is a tough situation to put Hurts in. And to, to that point, actually, I'm saying, well, maybe Doug Peterson's smarter than everyone's thinking. Maybe he's protecting Carson Wentz by not putting him up against this great Saints defense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, so when, when Hurts goes out there, the only thing that I wanted from him was to be efficient, to be accurate, and not be afraid to use his legs. And, and, I, and you know, allow the game to just go wherever it wants to go. I mean, maybe they win, maybe they lose. But with him being efficient and him being accurate and using his legs, that kind of spelled the right way to beat the Saints. How do you beat the Saints when well, you have a guy like Taysom Hill? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you actually needed. And when you have the run game, obviously uh, Miles Sanders had a huge game. You have the defensive line playing out of their minds like they did yesterday. And then you have Jalen Hurts just just not turning the ball over, obviously throwing the ball, but he did have that fumble at the end. But making sound decisions, that that's what it's all about. And, and Adam, let me ask you this. And, and this is what mm. I saw from my football brain. I'm watching, mm. watching, watching. And I'm saying – I'm not hearing Jalen enough Hurts, excitement. I'm hearing a lot of reasoning oh, from you. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I think that this I, – I, don't, I still don't think the team is good enough to win a playoff game, but right. I will say I'm, this. What did we I'm say, super, bro? Not, this team don't even matter anymore. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because okay, but here's, a, here's the other part. I think Jalen Hurts, his eyes are always in the right place. And I'm oh, talking man. about the things that he's looking at, the things that he's seen. He's making the right decisions. He's not going to throw the ball to the wrong person, meaning if it's double coverage, he's not throwing the ball to that guy. He's going to get the ball to the right person. Now, some of the throws have to be a little bit better, but he's making the right decisions. To me, that's a big part of – Carson Wentz's failures. He's making the wrong decisions, bad decision-making. Jalen Hurst did something totally different yesterday, and I, that's certainly a big part of them winning football games. I have loved Carson Wentz for a long time. Have you? What, I, tell uh, me. What, when what, when we the, drafted him, when we drafted him, I thought he was incredible. Uh, in his first season, I saw some spark. There were definitely some mm-hmm. concerns, but there was spark. Second year was amazing. Uh, even the last two years, post the injuries and the recovering from injuries, the first half of the year, we're kind of going, I don't know. And then it was like, here he comes. I've always seen it. I am telling you right now, ship him. Ship him. I am so set. I'm, I don't, I don't want to talk about the details. I don't want to talk about the contracts. That's why you got guys like Howie and you got lawyers because I am so all in on Jalen Hurts, Brian Westbrook, legendary Philadelphia Eagle, that you can't be more in than me. You can't. What I saw yesterday are the things that I've been hoping Carson Wentz was going to learn for five years and Jalen Hurts did it naturally with one week as the starting quarterback in practice against what had been up to that point, the toughest defense in the NFL. What I saw from Jalen Hurts was complete poise. Let's talk about that first. There was not a moment in that game. Frankly, there wasn't a moment of the Packers game where I went, this is too big for him. Even the play where it looked like he threw it on the out and there could have been a possible interception. It went through the guy's hands and hit Greg Ward right in the hands, and he dropped it. So even even the one where maybe they tried to go to him, I just want to talk about poise. To be that young, we just had the youngest one other than Randall, even younger than Randall. Westbrook, let's just talk poise first. I want to break this down. I love it. I mean, I loved his composure in the pocket, his ability to just be calm amongst craziness. Absolutely. Uh, His poise is there. There's no doubt about it. But we, we already knew that, though. 
We saw his poise at Alabama. We saw his poise at Oklahoma. And, and of course, we thought the NFL, we think the NFL is a different thing. But he's still the same player. He showed poise in his first game. Tough thing to do against a, a very good Saints defense. I watched a young man unshaken. When's the last time you've seen a successful back shoulder throw to Alshon Jeffrey? Probably not since Nick Foles was there, and that's been about a year and a half, and he did it with a lineman in his face, absolutely destroying him, picked up the 15 yards. This that, is a guy. That's an example. Let me let me tell you though, that's the example that I'm talking about, about eyes in the right place. That's the right throw. Single covers to a big time receiver, a big receiver, big body, back shoulder throw. Eyes in the right place, and, great throw and, by him. And, that's, and this is what I'm saying. I've waited five years for Carson Wentz's eyes to consistently be in the right place. I've waited five years for him not, when the pressure is coming around him, to put his head down and try and like lean forward for two, two yards. I've waited five years for Carson Wentz to be a legitimate option on the read option. I've waited five years for Carson Wentz when he picks up a lot of yards to slide and not take contact. I've waited five years for Carson Wentz to run out to the sideline and instead of taking a seven-yard loss to stop, compose oneself, and throw it down the sideline. I've waited five years for the team to rally around the starting quarterback not named Nick Foles. And what I saw at a Jalen Hurts yesterday I'm losing my mind, okay? I'm writing down things like when he runs, he has the same straight back as Russell Wilson. They start putting up those those uh, graphics, you know, about the story of Jalen Hurts, and you go, this is a Russell Wilson story. Transferring uh, over from NC State to Wisconsin, which is typically known as a running school with a big background. You know what I mean? And you're like, this is what this kid did. And the other thing that I'm looking at, I lost my mind. I blacked out at halftime. And I bought a really expensive Jalen Hurts rookie card at halftime. Like a really expensive Jalen Hurts rookie card. And when I bought it, the dude on eBay messaged me and he go, and he, you can't really give your phone number away on eBay, but he gave me his phone number. And we started talking. Because he goes, Jalen Hurts is going to be a superstar. And I was like, bro, I am I, so convinced right now that this is how Russell Wilson started his career. And I, I know that's crazy to just like throw that out there and all that. I'm looking at his swagger on the sidelines, the way he's put together. I truly believe that Carson Wentz is the good luck Chuck of quarterbacks. And if you remember <laughs> that movie... You don't get married to good luck, Chuck. But if you went on a date with good luck, Chuck, the next person you're with, you'd find your husband. Carson Wentz is bizarro Ryan Fitzpatrick. That when he is on your quarterback room, you are guaranteed to have success. What he does for them is amazing. Enough of the jokes. I am a believer in Jalen Hurts. I believe that he needs to start the rest of the season. I believe there are two defenses in a row that he will have success with with Dallas and Arizona, and then there's going to be an enormous test because I think that if he plays up to potential and we win those games, I'm not getting excited about this year, but now we're fighting it off with Washington in the final week of the year, and we saw what Chase Young and that D-line is capable of. I, 
hurt so good. Like I, I am so all in that it don't matter, man. Like I'm, I'm in like sometimes when I see a guy, like I felt this way with Herbert, like I'm in, I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if I even want you to try and bring, bring me down because I think I might just stay on this pedestal. I'm not saying he's Mahomes. I'm not saying that he's Kyler. I'm not saying that he's going to be Russ and all that. I'll say, I'll tell you right now, he is a hundred percent better than Tua. A hundred percent better than Tua. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away if that's him on one week of practice as the one. You know what I like from him? And this is similar to Tua. And I love that Tua, you didn't even start with, you need to calm down. You started no, with, no, not, this is what I gonna, like about him. Yeah, keep it going. I'm not going to make you calm down. But I, I think we, what I loved about Tua that first couple of weeks is that he got his team to play better. Everyone around him played better. Same thing with uh, Jalen Hurts. Their team played better. The defense getting turned. They're, they're doing things that they haven't done all season long. And the question is why? What's the difference? Well, the quarterback, then getting some faith, some confidence in him is a huge difference. And the big question in Philadelphia today is, well, why didn't Doug Peterson call these plays when Carson Wentz was underneath center? Well, because he didn't have faith that he could execute these plays. The and when you don't have that different, I don't think I don't think they were majorly different. But this is what I know. When you go you know, three and out your first five possessions as a play caller, you're like, mm. OK, I'm, I'm cutting off half of my play call sheet. Because we can't do any of those plays if we can't do the simple plays. That's the biggest thing. Jalen Hurts has some success early. So now if you're Doug Peterson, the play caller, you can get to these other plays that you normally have not been able to get to because Carson Wentz has just been a a terrible quarterback this season. I challenge anyone to go look at the Eagles' plays in the Saints game and compare it to the other games and tell me that he turned into Kyle Shanahan. They had one mesh crosser where it was kind of an OPI on Goddard, but they didn't call it. But like, that's finished. not that imaginative. Uh, Rager ran out, uh, Hertz ran out to the right and almost hit uh, Rager deep on one. But the majority of the success that Jalen Hurts had was because he's simply a lot more accurate than Carson Wentz and decisive. When you were throwing five and 10 yard outs on the money, he didn't miss a throw. Every receiver caught the ball in stride. This is not hard to see. Carson Wentz makes guys go for it. Carson Wentz throws high. Carson Wentz throws in the dirt. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is bad. I'm not saying that. But what I saw from Jalen Hurts was none of those issues. And so uh, I don't I don't know. I thought he threw a nice tight spiral and he didn't hold the ball in the pocket. I didn't see the pat and bounce. It really was one, two, three, not there, second one, pop. And that's what this offense has always needed. That's what I've always thought the Doug Peterson offense was, is we're going to spread you out. We're going to have one guy go deep, so we're going to stretch you a little bit. We have them if it breaks three, breaks free, and then we have a bunch of option run stuff in the middle to take advantage of it. And I, I just think Carson never threw those with consistency. How many times have we seen Jalen Rager falling trying to catch a comeback or Alshon Jeffrey jumping up to catch a comeback? It hit right in the chest. And 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 that's that's my thing. It's like if Hertz is already more accurate, this offense can run. I just here well uh, this is where I will slow you down. This okay. is where I will slow you down. Please do. And here's the big issue. This is this is has to be why Doug Peterson didn't jump through hoops after beating a, a, a 10 and 2 football team yesterday. It's because you can't get rid of Carson Wentz. 
You totally. can't eat the money. That's just called good you, bedside manner. He handled it the right way. You can't go. Did. We found something right now for two reasons. You don't want to ruin that quarterback room. You don't want to create divisiveness and three reasons. And the third one is you're trying to keep the trade market up. Yeah. Well, well time out, time out. Let, let, let's, let's talk about the trade. If they trade Carson Wentz, yeah. he still yeah. counts for $35 million, $34 million on the cap next year. That's, That's a big hit. That's bigger That's than any other team in the history but, but, of the NFL but, but, would undertake. The biggest hit believe, ever. Do you believe, let's just ask this point blank, do you believe Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future for the Philadelphia Eagles? I know we're going off one and a half games. Yeah, I, I think we're still, uh, there. this is to be determined, but he looked much better in this one game, one and a half games, than Carson Wentz has looked all season long. That's that's true. and so and so for me, much like because of the seasoning we've had with the process in this Philadelphia 76ers, if I don't win the championship next year, that's fine. There's a lot of, of pieces that need to go away. They need to move on from the Alshans. They need to move on, and no offense, they need to move on from like the certain players and, and really find uh the youth movement that they need. But if this is the guy, everyone talks, oh, 30 million, oh, 30 million. The Colts are playing are paying Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissetta combined $40 million. Okay. Philip Rivers is not going to likely be there next year. And Jacoby Brissett is not the quarterback of the future. So if, if they take on a $30 million quarterback, like the like $30 million is not that crazy. They're paying 40 for those two guys. What? That uh, $35 million of dead cap money is crazy. And yes. no team has been willing to accept that. No team and, in the and, NFL. And that's, but that's why, and that's why I've said in the beginning, the advantage of Jalen Hurts getting paid one point five next year is right. they can coexist, and it doesn't well, blow up the team because it would have been the same thing next year if Carson Wentz were the starter and Hurts were the backup. So in essence, it's not that crazy. It just sucks well, because this, you'd like that money now. This is going to help you see why it's crazy. Alshon, in, in many people's mind, has been a cancer on this football team, right? But they weren't willing to take a $10 million cap hit to get him off the team. That's $20 million less than a quarterback. $25 million less than Carson Wentz will be on the Eagles next season, I believe. And I believe that he will be in the backup quarterback role. And there will be an article that comes out in week eight when Jalen Hurts has the Eagles at six and two, in which Carson Wentz says he's ready for his opportunity. And of course, he's frustrated, but he supports the team. This is just the realistic nature of a decision that Howie made. If, again, this is something that I've talked about with Ingber so much, not having a resultist mindset. You gave Carson Wentz the contract when you did because you were trying to beat the contracts of Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, and all the other young guys so that they, because they're getting a lot more than Carson Wentz, and that if he was the guy, it made sense. Nobody was expecting this season. And mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't think Carson was expected. Nobody was. So now it's how do you react to it? I want to ask you about Daryl Johnson yesterday, Westbrook, who went on about a five-minute rant talking about the relationship between Troy Aikman and the offensive coordinator that they had in the Cowboys, North Turner, during that era, and how they are still friends 20 years later, and that there's always an interesting relationship between a quarterback and an O.C., he was bringing it up by saying that it really did seem like Doug and Jalen had a nice combination, but mm -hmm. he was also saying it as though Doug and Carson did not. 
And Ingber put the stat up before that Doug Peterson is now 11-2 and two without Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback. Not saying that they have an issue. But for, for somebody like um, Daryl, who spent the last two, three days with the team and talking to different people and researching and talking to his inside sources to explicitly bring that, bring that up, as the Eagles are up by double digits, what can we glean from that? And how much reality do you think is in those sentiments? Well, I think there's a lot of reality in, in those in those sentiments. I think that there is, um, you know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. So I, I do believe that some of that is absolutely true. And we also got to think about this. There are players that are super talented on your team that you may just not like, that your personality doesn't work well with. And I'm not blaming this. I'm just giving you an example. Carson Wentz is an extremely devout Christian. He's a Christian man. And there are players on the team that don't necessarily jive with that at all times. And even even guys like Dawkins, as beloved as he was in the city of Philadelphia and on our football team, there was guys on the team that just couldn't understand his lifestyle. And for Carson Wentz, the leader of this football team, there are guys that may not like him because of his lifestyle. And then when you talk about uh, playing for him and, and certainly getting to gather around him, that all plays a part into it. And I'm not saying that that's the reason, I'm, but I'm just saying these could be part of the issues. But and, and so Doug Peterson, as a grown man, as a human being as well, may like the personality of Jalen Hurts better Didn't than he likes like the personality. Just vibing on the, the sidelines. Person. No, it looks like he can talk to him and have a real conversation. And I can ex- there the expectations that we leave the sideline with. I'm yes. seeing you do on the field. That's what it looks like. And Doesn't it, like that. when you see when you see like Reed and Mahomes and they're kind of like both lean back and they're very casual, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's what it looked like. Just for reference, because listen, man, I watch ev- every Eagles game. I got on its own TV and then I got like seven ch- games on the other ones. But I, I explicitly watch the Eagles because I'm sick. And the way that Doug Peterson would talk to Carson Wentz, and I think about all of the things that you have said on this show, Westbrook, which is. Doug doesn't know if Carson can listen to him. And it's not as though what I've gleaned from what you've said, it's not that Carson is trying to not listen to him. It's like he goes out there and forgets. It's like they hammer this stuff home all week. And then, so when I would watch Doug talking to Wentz on the sideline, it was always out of frustration. It was always like out of like holding a paper in front of him. And so yesterday I'm just, you know, and there's Doug just hanging out with Jalen and Jalen's real casual. And look, Jalen Hurts was one of those guys in the draft process where you go, I don't want to sound stupid by saying, here's a guy that's played at some of the most elite programs in the college football landscape, went to a national championship, experienced what it's like to be pulled for your future guy, so his ego is so low, his humility is so high, goes to this Oklahoma football factory where we went over the moon for Baker Mayfield, we went over the moon for Kyler Murray, and then Jalen goes there and does the exact same thing, but we're still thinking about freshman year Jalen Hurts or sophomore year Jalen Hurts getting pulled. His ability to throw the ball is top-notch, but also – his story and who he is, and he's throwing up the cue after a touchdown, and you're and he's wearing the Rosa Parks quote before the game, and you just go, "This is the ultimate leader." Like, 
And, and, and I, I think back to the draft process where I remember I wrote down to myself, don't crap on Jalen Hurts because he's just one of those dudes that will likely have that winning DNA. And that's why I'm saying it's – I know that Philadelphia is going to go trade Wentz. How about this? Start Hurts. We'll figure out Wentz. If y'all want to crap on Howie, I get it. But you have Howie there for this. Bookkeeping statistics, numbers, Excel spreadsheets, okay? How he ain't there out there, I guess, measuring up guys and saying this is the one, but the one thing he should be good at is those spreadsheets. So figure it out. But I'm just, I'm saying that uh, as I try and fix my camera. Um, spreadsheets. I don't know. Yeah, Howie Spreadsheet Roseman. Figure it out because we've figured out that Jalen Hurts is the guy. I want to give Jalen Hurts. I mean, he deserves a lot of credit. The NFL. Am I going too far? Team. Am I going too far? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this: if it wasn't longer, maybe a month ago, guess who came out and said, "Oh, I thought the NFL was going to be a lot harder." Tua. I mean, he was three and zero at the time, playing great football. They're winning games. He must have forgot that their defense scored in the first two of his games that he started in the special teams in that first game, and he came out and said. Oh, this the, the the NFL is not as hard as yeah. I thought. Yeah, because teams haven't caught up to you yet. So I'm not saying to pump your brakes. I, I think totally. you deserve to be excited. But at the same time, we have to be realistic, too, that, you know, maybe over the course of time, defenses will play him a little bit different. They know what he did. Now it's on tape. And let's see what he does these next couple of games as the season winds down. He, he has a great opportunity here. And we'll, we'll is- see how the things go from there. This is a guy, too. I just want to wrap it up. I know we're going hard, but at the same point, like, it's a quarterback. It's Philadelphia. Like, we're three Philadelphia Eagles fans. And before I go to Ingber to get his reaction, because I wasn't to get ours out of the way, and then we can have his reasoned reaction afterwards. Uh, there were there were two other plays that really caught my attention. One of them was it's third and four, second quarter, six minutes left. Eagles are up 7 nothing. Pressure in the pocket, rolls out, throws an absolute piss missile to Goddard, who gets two feet down, catches it with his fingers tip. They challenge it, and they still don't call it a catch. Eagles settle for 10 nothing. Mm-hmm. He gets that ball. Eagles are moving their way towards 14 nothing. So he had a number of plays where like, even that deep shot to Rieger, it was online. It was just a little bit too far. And so I'm seeing deep and intermediate accuracy. And then the other play was, it was about a third and eight, third and nine. And he outran Hendrickson for a 15-yard play. And I think it, it was he was he should have gone out of bounds. They're getting close to the half. But he kept, he turned it up field, got another five, seven yards, and he slid. And and my thing was is okay, he'll learn later to go out of bounds. Yeah. But this kid already knows how to protect himself. Now, he had a fumble late in the game. But let's also say that, remember, he was compared to Taysom Hill before the game. Taysom Hill fumbled away that game. Taysom Hill has 10 fumbles thus far this season. Jalen Hurts in a situation I'm going, Doug, I don't know why you're running your quarterback at the end with two minutes left when, like, you have Miles Sanders. Like, just give it to and him. And he's playing a great game. Like, hello, playing hello. a great game. Like why, but like, why are you getting your quarterback hit more? Like that's just dumb when you're up 10. Um, but uh, before I get to the Saints, Ingber, 
Where where do you stand on Jalen Hurts in the future of your Philadelphia? I'm Eagles? excited just as much uh, just as much about the statistical stuff that he put out as the unquantifiable ads that he gave to the team. Uh, the effect that it's going to have on their running game. You know, you look at guys like Mark Ingram over the last few years. Uh, you look at guys like Kenyon Drake over the last few years. When you're playing next to a mobile quarterback, what that does to open things up makes the defense start second guessing. I was just watching uh, the replay of all like the the best plays on YouTube. It was like a 15 minute clip of yesterday's game, and I was watching every time Jalen started moving around in the pocket, those linebackers had no idea what to do. They're like, should we drop back into coverage? Should we step up? And should we try to contain? There were like two and a half spies on Jalen Hurts on every play. And that was something that didn't happen with Carson Wentz. Um, And I feel like that's going to have a massive effect on Miles Sanders over the next few weeks. I thought Jalen Rager looked invigorated. These are the things that you can't necessarily put a number on. And I think you tweeted about this because I noticed the same thing, Lefko, about that really good incomplete pass that Jalen Hurts had. When you look at a box score and you're like, hey, it was an incomplete pass, but not all incomplete passes are created equal. Some incomplete passes are super valuable because you didn't take a sack or you didn't possibly fumble it or you didn't throw it up for grabs. It's my number one issue with quarterbacks that have the ability to run is that when they go to the sideline, they sometimes take a loss. Kyler Murray does it all the time. Um, Carson Wentz did it all the time. But just to stop and to not throw on the run, but to just stop and bounce and go, I can exist anywhere on the field and I have control. Westbrook, how much of that Miles Sanders 80-yard-plus touchdown was because of Jalen Hurts? That's how sick I was yesterday. I was like, that was because of Jalen. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, Miles broke a couple of tackles there, made, made a good play. But uh, to, to David's point, when the linebackers are concerned with the quarterback running, now you're not as concerned with the running back. And so, I mean, you got to pick your poison. That's what you want from the quarterback position. That's why, obviously, Baltimore is so good. But, you know, you got to you got to figure out what you want to stop. And they wanted to stop Jalen Hurts on that play. Miles Sanders makes a makes a guy miss and just takes it to the house. I mean, mm. this 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 adds stuff to your offense. And in a place, just think about these teams: San Francisco, the 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 Chiefs, even sometimes the the Packers. They're trying to make the defense who who, if you just allow to line up and play defense, they'll just beat you nine times out of ten. They're making the defense think. You have to think, and that's how you beat these teams. That's why you had the motions and the shifts and all these different things in the misdirection because now you're trying to make the defense think and wonder, not be able to play full speed ahead as athletes. And that's what you add when you add a guy like Jalen Hurts, especially over 100, 100 yards yesterday. That had not happened against the Saints. Not one guy, but two guys over 100 yards in a very I'm gonna say 56 games, game, something yeah, crazy. 50. 50 games. I mean, that, that's a crazy number to have two guys over 100, 100 yards rushing on one being your quarterback and one being your running back, who you didn't want to give the ball to the last five or six games of the season, unexplicably. It's just it's hard to explain that. When you look I, at I think that's the thing, too, is like my my one friend, I, I have an awesome group chat with two other dudes that I went to high school with, Athy and Lapone, and they're very reasoned Eagles fans. I appreciate them. And Athy asked a few weeks ago, why do they still keep running it with Wentz on the option? Like it's it's two yards at max. And I was like, well, you have to do that just to keep the threat of it. But he goes, mm-hmm. but that's the problem. It's not really a threat. So like they're they're like, fine, give it to Carson Wentz, you know? And the thing is, is like Jalen Hurts is not as big as Carson Wentz. Jason Jalen Hurts is your 6'2, 221, and Carson Wentz is out there 6'5, 240, you know? But the difference is is that Carson ran a 477 and Jalen mm-hmm. ran a 459. 
And the thing, the the reason that Patrick Mahomes running is great is not because he runs over people. He can turn the corner. And the true thing is, is Carson Wentz in the beginning, he just surprised people. He would put the shoulder in instead of getting the corner and we go, oh man, that's tough. He leaned into him. Jalen doesn't need to lean in. He can outrun him. And I think that's something that I'm realizing too when like, okay, Carson Wentz had a vertical leap of 30. Jalen Hurts has a vertical leap of 35. Like he's a better athlete. And, and I think that the advantage of being a better athlete in this offense is you don't have to take the hits. On the other right. side, I look at Taysom Hill and I go, the biggest measure of whether or not Taysom Hill can be successful in this league, in my mind, is his durability. If you were to get an entire season, an off season, and a season where he's QB1, he will get better at throwing the football. He has some of the tools. He misses some guys open. But with, with Sean Payton, he's going to set you up for success because he's a genius and he can run that. But the question for Taysom Hill is, man, you take a lot of hits and you're not 22 years old. You're 30, 31 years old. So the question is, how much longer can you do that? And that's why I wouldn't build around Taysom Hill, because when you're built around physicality, durability is your major issue. And I don't know how you feel about that, too. Well, no, I absolutely agree with you. And I want to point this all out as well. We talk about uh, Jalen Hurts being a little bit more athletic than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has a bunch of injuries, too. ACL, back injury. That I mean, knee is those screwed things, up, man. Yeah, they, they, they affect your body tremendously. It also affects your mind. I don't want to take that hit because my mind says, no, don't do that again. I, I mean, I, I tore my ACL in 96. So I, I've experienced knee injuries, knee pain throughout my entire career. So I understand how that affects the way that you do things and the shots that you're willing to take. So, yeah, it, there's no doubt it hurts as much more athletic. He leads his team in a different way. And there has to be something to be said about the way that you lead a football team. We talk about leaders of men. We love Mike Tomlin. We love the things he's able to do. Can he be a leader of men? That's the big question because there have been a lot of questions about Carson's ability to lead his teammates um, the way that you've seen Jalen Hurts in just one game. Small sample size, but he was able to lead his guys into battle yesterday. It was good to see. I'm thrilled that my reaction to Jalen Hurts being drafted, I went back and watched that clip. I'm more like, I don't know what this means, but I'm excited. So I'm glad that I didn't crap on it. Um, but I, I will say, like, that's part of the reason why I bought that really expensive card was I was like, I am I'm buying this card to signify this is when I am jumping on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon. And there have been people oh, yeah. that have gotten on before me, and there are people that will come on after me. But I wanted that card to signify that after the first half of the Saints game, I said I'm all in. Because I, I think that's a fun thing about what we do is, you know, we, we go back and we talk about what we were right about, what we were wrong about. But like, we don't always remember the exact time that it happened. And I was like, I'm getting this card to mark my flag in the dirt. I'm on Team Jalen Hurts. And uh, I don't know, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to get it. Hey, Brian, can I ask you like a, a technical oh, question about some running skills that I saw Jalen Hurts have? Um, sure. I remember Michael Johnson, the like legendary American runner. He won gold medals in the 400 and the 200. He referred to himself as the best curve runner in history, that he didn't necessarily have the best breakaway speed. And I was wondering, is there something specific that you or Jalen Hurts works on to get to the edge and pick up those first downs like Mahomes does, like Andrew Luck used to do? Is there something specific that you work on? Because he really seemed like he had the, that nimble-footed thing just to curve out of bounds. That's a great – That's a you know what? Great point, Ingber. He's a great curver. 
Yeah, there, there's absolutely nothing that you're working <laughs> on to get to that. I, I, I'll say that you work on your speed to get to the corner. And then, I mean, you obviously you work on different change of direction stuff. But to me, it was solely his speed to get to the edge, which is a big difference from Carson. Then his athletic ability to, to turn that corner. That's what that was. And so, no, you don't you don't necessarily work on running that curve like a track type of guy, but you do work on certain components, your speed and quickness to get there. And then when you're there, you change the direction. And that's what we saw yesterday from Jalen Hurts. It was, you're right. There is a big difference between getting hit for a two-yard gain, tackled right there, or getting a seven-yard gain just because you Absolutely. can turn that corner. That's yeah. a big difference. And, and then we talk about second and third down. Now it's second and three, third and three. Much more manageable instead of third and eight, which Carson has really uh, fallen into a bunch of times this season. Ingbert, to go off what you're saying even more, Eagles fans, close your eyes. Think about all of the biggest, as I, okay, I'm back. Think about all of the biggest Carson Wentz runs. They all involved him running, stopping, and then going in a different direction. Think about it, all of them. He like stops and a corner falls or like he goes under a sack and then he changes direction. But you never really saw him turn up because when he did, it was like, oh, five yards cloud of dust. Jalen has that ability. Okay, enough about the, the Eagles. Well, the other big thing with that game though yesterday was, look, I said this earlier in the week. If I was betting for who would go to the NFC, for, to the Super Bowl for the NFC, I would have taken plus 325 on the Packers because they have the tiebreaker over the Saints, and I thought the Saints would lose to the Chiefs. I didn't think the Saints were going to lose this game. Well, guess what? Green Bay is right now your number one team in the NFC, and there are talks right now that I don't know if Drew Brees is going to be back next week for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so now you have to go, could the Saints not only not get one, you have the Rams at 9-4, and four, you have Seattle at nine and four. If the Saints go to ten and four and those teams go to ten and four also, I mean, this is a team that could fall to four. Um, excuse me, not to four. They can't lose, they can't lose their division. They would fall to three, which is not in a great spot to be, because then you might be playing Tampa Bay, uh, your division rival. But um factoring in Green Bay and New Orleans, um, do you see Westbrook, New Orleans being able, whether it is Taysom Hill or Drew Brees comes back, to keep up with the Chiefs next week? Or could this be just a free fall for the Saints? Um, if Taysom Hill's a quarterback, they cannot. Mm. Um, I think they, in order for Taysom Hill to win at the quarterback position, it has to be a certain type of game. The opposing offense can't put up a bunch of points quickly. That's something that the Chiefs do very well. They can't keep scoring. Again, that's something that the Chiefs do very well. The thing for Taysom Hill in that offense is they have to be able to kind of work their flow into the game. They're not going to be explosive. They're not going to put up 21 points in the first half. They're not They're not that team with him underneath center. They're a team that's going to run the ball a little bit. They're going to pass the ball a little bit. They're not going to be that explosive team. And so the matchup, when you talk about game-to-game matchup against the, mm. against the Chiefs, is not a great matchup for the Saints, especially if their defense can't keep them in the game. Their defense yesterday just didn't look like a, a, a team that wanted to go out there and play uh, and try to stop Jalen Hurts. They just didn't look like that same defense, mm-hmm. that dominant defense that we've seen before. And maybe they overlooked the Eagles. But if, if their defense doesn't keep them in the game, Taysom Hill doesn't have enough as far as firepower to throw the ball down the field and work that way to be the team that's going to put up points like the Chiefs have the capability of doing. 
a lot of times when I'm watching basketball games and I'm trying to like refresh where, where the game is, I go, who are the baskets coming easy to right now? And who's really working to get these baskets? I think it's just an easy way to watch basketball sometimes instead of focusing on stats. And that's the thing that I see right now with really two teams in the NFL, the Chiefs and the Packers, where to both of those teams, oh, the running game's not going great. Here's a 50-yard touchdown. Oh, the mm-hmm. passing game's kind of struggling. Here's a putt return touchdown. You're just like, I don't know where it's going to come from, but that's where it's coming from. And I, I want to shout out Matt LaFleur because I, I like saying when I was wrong, I was wrong about the Packers this year. you know. And I think it's very funny that they clinched the division against the team that I said was going to win. Boy, was that a bad take in the Detroit Lions. But uh, Ingber, the one stat you have from Albert Rio, Breer there about Matt LaFleur, uh, I'd like you to read because I think it it, it, it needs to go noticed what he has done with Aaron Rodgers in two seasons. Matt LaFleur has won 23 of 29 regular season games in Green Bay, 24 of 31 games overall, and he's clinched the NFC North, which we know is a famously competitive division that seems to flip-flop or want to flip-flop every year. He's clinched the NFC North by Christmas in each of his first two years. Pretty impressive stuff. And yes, he has Aaron Rodgers, but that is a great coaching job. That is a great way to start. That is a, if we're going to talk basketball, that is a Steve Kerr-like start to your coaching career. 23 and six. And you said, yes, he has Aaron Rodgers, but I would argue other than 2011, I don't know if I've seen Aaron Rodgers look better. And I'd like to give this opportunity to Brian Westbrook to pat himself on the back because after week 14, it seems as though Aaron Rodgers has passed Mahomes because of Mahomes' three interceptions yesterday in possibly some people's MVP ballots. So Brian Westbrook, do you feel vindicated and take your your lap? Well, I will take a lap here. I'll pat myself on the back. I did a great job. But, I mean, this was easy to see. What would have happened early in the season because Mahomes had more touchdowns, they said, oh, Mahomes is the MVP because he had more touchdowns. Okay. At this point, Aaron Rodgers has more touchdowns. So they moved the goalposts. They said, well, Aaron Rodgers also has more interceptions. Well, now Patrick Mahomes goes and play and throws three yesterday. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, they moved the goalposts again. It's the wins. It's the team's win. Listen, Patrick Mahomes is playing well. You can't get around that. We're talking about the two best quarterbacks in the game. But Aaron Rodgers – on the whole, has just played better consistently all season long. He just has. And um, that that doesn't take anything away from Patrick Mahomes, but it also does say something about Matt LaFleur. He said, because coming in, he said, listen, we want to run the football. We want to get our running backs involved. You got two running backs there in Williams and Jones that get involved every single game. You have to do that. That's going to help Aaron Rodgers in the end. He may not have the same amount of yards as Patrick Mahomes, but when you watch them two teams play, you're saying, you know what? This team has a chance as long as their defense can come to play just a little bit. And so certainly, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate what Aaron Rodgers has been able to do. He's been impressive all season long. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over, when we talk about MVP, he's going to be in that race. There's no doubt about it. Just for some reference for people out there, uh, Patrick Mahomes looks like has about 520 more yards passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Mahomes' TD to interception ratio is 33 to 5. Aaron Rodgers is 39 to four. What I think is incredible about both of that is half of Rodgers' interceptions came in that Bucks game, and yeah. 60% of Mahomes' interceptions came yesterday. So yeah. these are two guys that have each thrown two interceptions in 12 games and at least two or more in one game. Difference right. between the two is Aaron Rodgers lost his game and 
Patrick Mahomes, you know, went well, on to win. That's a, pretty that's a big difference. Uh, yeah. They always find a way to win. I mean, that, I think and, that's And, and I, I, I was giving you credit on my walk back from the gym this morning. That's right. I went to the gym this morning. Uh, and uh, I masked up. I didn't talk to anybody back off. Um, but what I thought about was the chiefs find ways to win. And I, I do not like to discredit my guy Patty on any form of social media, but I do think that a lot more of the Packers success is falling on Roger's shoulders. And this is the time of the year where, uh, people like to get into semantics and start talking about what the word value means. And, um, I think that Aaron Rodgers might be more valuable to his team just because I think they're leaning on him a lot more. Um, at the same time, man, both of those guys are awesome. And it's yeah, it, awesome. It, it's great to watch them work. Uh, it's Packers, they do their thing. But then you start getting into like, I, I also think that they both have Offensive Player of the Year candidates as their best receiver. You know, I think it's, it's Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams are... I think two and Derrick Henry breaks that record. Uh, Barry Sanders Amazing. is shouting him out. Amazing, yeah. Th- those three to me feel like the finalists for Offensive Player of the Year. Still, and I know I talk about this every week now, but Kelsey Adams and and uh, Derrick Henry. What about DK Metcalf? I mean, you got to put him in the conversation too. I mean, he's been doing some amazing things. I think what is he second in the league in receiving? Maybe, maybe he's third, something like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, he, he's been amazing. But when, when you watch, just see, I mean, Travis Kelsey though is number one at twelve fifty. Yeah. He's got seventy more yards than DK Metcalf. He's right there with touchdowns. That's what makes Devontae Adams so special. He has fourteen touchdowns right yeah. there with Tyree Kill. But I guess the reason that I would probably lean Devontae Adams right, I, but this is the problem: is you can't give MVP to Rodgers and Offensive Player of the Year Devontae Adams. You can't. Why not? No, I don't know. Amber, use your reasoning. I feel like you can't put them on the same team. You think that's kind of like when two MVP candidates split votes, like uh, if Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like one of them won't win the MVP because there's too many people voting for both. But I think those are two separate awards. And I think um, there might be some element, like I can't get in the mindset of people that are making these votes, but there might be some way where if you're going to vote Rodgers for MVP, you vote for Kelsey for the Chiefs just to give some credit to the two best offenses of the year. Is that what you're getting at? That's what I was And so it's either going yeah, to be yeah. Rodgers and Kelsey or Mahomes and Devontae Adams that it's a kind of like a mutually exclusive pairing. Is that what you're saying? I think that's because I, I take awards more seriously than other people. Because in the moment, it seems very futile. And then 10 years from now, when Brian Westbrook stands on podiums, that's what they read off. And so like when I see people like DeMario Davis, and they're like, oh, he, he hasn't made a Pro Bowl, but he's getting it now. And it's like, yeah, but you know, the value of his autograph changes if he's a five-time Pro Bowler, pro bowler or a one-time Pro Bowler, even though everyone says it's dumb. And whether or not you go to the Hall of Fame... Oh, well, he had 14. Pro- so I take awards more seriously, and I also like it to chronicle time. And so to put all the awards on one team, when clearly there was something special happening on that other team, when we look back, I know it's tough. I, I know. But- no, well, well, hold on. If I think Devontae Adams truly has separated himself as the best receiver this season, period. I agree. No doubt about it. So when we talk about the best if player. Roses. Yeah, we, we understand the quarterback situation, Mahomes and Rodgers. We talk about the receivers. We're all, we have to talk about Metcalf. We have to talk about Devontae Adams. We have to throw Kelsey in there, too, as a as a specialist type of player. And running backs, is it's, uh, it's Derrick Henry, period. So when you're talking about the best players in the league, to me, it doesn't matter 
whether they're on the same team or not. I, I can understand the cannibalism there as far yeah. as the votes, but at the same time, if we're talking about the if he's the best, then he should get the award. And and, and I have to give him that credit. I don't know if it's been easier to do an all pro team. I think the hardest one, I don't know how many quarterbacks go on it. I think it might just be right, one. Two? I think it, I if it's two, two, then it's easy. Then it's Mahomes and Rodgers. Wide yeah. receivers are Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. Tight end is is Tyree is uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh I, like like I'm sorry, DK Metcalf, but Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams have been better. Uh Stefan Diggs, a hunter receptions, he's been great. Those guys have been exactly. utterly dominant. Yeah. Uh, and then running back to me is Derrick Henry. He's just been no, consistent. Um, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, running back. That, that's solid. how it feels oh, to me. I just feel like it's a very clear cut year in terms of that. Uh, we we talked about the Chiefs. They are now officially the number one team in the AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not see it coming. Uh, losing back to back to Washington and Buffalo. Shout out to Washington winning Pittsburgh and San Francisco back-to-back weeks and losing Antonio Gibson in the middle like Chase Young. May- no. We said after week one, I've never seen anybody look like Chase Young in my life, and I've never seen a defensive end run 50 yards like that. He looked like Derrick Henry. Shout out to DeMatha Catholic High School, my high school, nice. my alma mater. Chase Young, obviously, is, is amazing. When, when you when you look at him, I mean, so, you know, I played, I'm 5'10". I played against, amongst guys that are just teams, right? <laughs> I'm 5'11". Okay. I'm cheating myself an inch. I'm 5'11". Um, I played Dude, against like, You don't even guys. Need to say that. You could just say I'm a smaller guy, but you have to give the no, inches no, no, every no, time. No, I want people to understand what, where the height's coming from. I'm 5'11". Anyway, so hey guys, you so see when you see guys like... Add him up. He's 5'9". <laughs> okay, what were you saying? <laughs> but when you see guys like Chase Young, 6'5", just, just six-packed, muscles everywhere. He looks like he's built, like he's a, a character that you build on Madden. When you he watch does. that guy on the other on the other side of the field, it, it's a difference maker. But yeah, we, we saw him yesterday do the things that everyone thought that he should be able to do. Um, and, and it was just amazing to watch, quite honestly. He is, he is the predator. Uh, yeah. It is insane to watch. So because you went to the same high school, there's like a 100% chance that if you're walking down the hallway, he'd be like, Oh shit, Brian Westbrook! Like I've seen all your records up there. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. Have you talked to him yet? Yeah, I talked to him. I was last time I saw him was actually in the Maxwell Awards when the world was open back in March. We had a good long conversation. We have a lot of mutual friends. One of his uh, his trainer is is one of my good friends, uh, Mo Gibson. So yeah, I mean, I keep up with them all the time. And of course, I'm I'm a I'm, you know I'm a Washington guy, so mm. I always keep up with that football team. You saw the Tomlin way. clip with him before the game last week, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Tom, that, that's that because Tomlin looked at him like a grown man. Like, whoa, this is what a grown man looks like. For and, those that haven't seen it, Tomlin goes to Chase Young and goes, "You're one of those dudes that I'd have to lose a lot of games to ever get on my team. Yeah. You're a kind of guy that I'm going to have to face a lot because I'm never going to lose enough games to have to get right. you." Which that's is a right. testament to Tomlin kicking ass every year, but also like Chase Young, like I know Ingber had that, the one about Ohio state's defensive lineman. And it is, it's a, it's a great thing for perspective, right? Uh, Ingber. So, so who do they have the last uh, two years, years, three years uh, on Twitter? Little hard to believe that Ohio state had Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa and Chase Young as their edge guys. The last few years when healthy, that's three of the top four in the NFL. Hard to argue. Chase Young to me, like I would say 
honestly, that Joey Bosa is more of a physical foe than Nick Bosa. Nick is in the TJ Watt range to me of like, they have so many tools and speed, but there are a few guys in the NFL that are modern marvels. We know about Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, you stand next to him and you go, are you a power forward in the NBA? Uh, Khalil Mack is one of those guys that's just built differently. Chase Young, I believe, has the best physique in the NFL. Where when you say that he looks like a creative player, he even looks like to me like one of those like dolls that you had, like if, if a football player is an athlete, because you're like, it looks like his legs are plugged in and his mm-hmm. arms are plugged in because it's like we've made the perfect arm and the perfect leg. Like, and also what I'll still remember from that Eagles game in week one when Washington's defensive line really announced themselves, it was the fact that Chase Young was prowling the sideline getting everyone excited and you go, that's the game record. That's what Aaron Donald does. So uh, I'm not, he, to me, he's like Julius peppers, but faster, which is insane. He he reminds me a lot when I just look at his body of Javon curse, long arms and, and the freak, he had a couple injuries that kind of delayed his and really stunted his growth a little bit. But the NFL compared him to Lawrence Taylor today. Like that's, that's the range we're in right now. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's it was good to see him explode. You know, one of the things that I, I said about him early in the season was that I felt that there were some plays that he took off. But since then, it, it looks like he's taken it to a whole different level his game. And I think that also coincides with them winning more football games. No so, I mean, it, it's good to see that. And, and shout out to Ron. He was also Rivera. hurt. He also missed like three or four banged up yeah, and now he was hurt. Yeah, but shout out to Ron Rivera. I mean, that football team in Washington was terrible. Terrible. And Ron came down there, came up there, whatever, and got them playing, playing for something. You remember the game where they went for the win instead of the tie, where they oh, could have yeah. tied the doggone game. And that was a teaching lesson for that football team. Now these guys are just playing hard-nosed football every single week and going out there finding a way to win. Shout out mm. to Ron. I mean, that, that that's huge. While he fights cancer, which is pretty amazing as well. Unbelievable. Pittsburgh now falls to the two seed. They go to yeah. Buffalo. And last night, what we saw – was the new Ben Roethlisberger showing the the old Ben Roethlisberger his age. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, if you were going to really compare to anybody, it's Cam Newton and it's Big Ben. Because young Big Ben was like, I got three dudes on my back and it doesn't matter. And I'm lobbing it up. The difference was is that Josh Allen really didn't have a number one wide receiver until this year. Now with Stephon Diggs, he can do it. We know how the Steelers scout wide receivers it was it was Antonio Brown he had people to lob it up to but Big Ben's two-second offense no existing running game James Conner doesn't even exist anymore and the Bills get the home win they're now 10 and 3 there's zero chance that New England can win the East for the first time in what feels like two decades Buffalo is here to play Kansas City gets the win and Pittsburgh now is at that two spot and they're going to have some tough games coming up. But from an overall playoff perspective, it sure does seem like the road is going to have to go through Kansas City down the stretch here. And I don't I don't know if – Buffalo is definitely one of those teams that could be interesting, but the East the, – the, the, the NFC seems a lot more cloudy than the AFC. To me, that's like Chiefs are bust. Here's a hard thing about Buffalo – 
And I love Leslie Frazier. He reminds me. I mean, he was coaching with us in Philadelphia. He's a D He's coordinator. He, he brings he brings the heat. He has no problem with the pass rush. You know, bring an extra guy. The, the question is this: You can't beat Mahomes by bringing an extra guy because they'll they'll kill you down the field. Okay. Can the front four get to the quarterback? Mm-hmm. A guy that can move, not Ben Roethlisberger, because he can't move. A guy that can move, can that front four have that type of effect on them like they they, they had this uh, uh, against Ben Roethlisberger? That's the big question. If they can, then they got a chance. I'll I'll just say that. If that's a way, and I agree with you, to really beat the Chiefs, there's like four teams I think have, and I don't think Buffalo's won. I I don't think Pittsburgh's won anymore because I think when they lost Bud Dupree, it it kind of softened up all of it. It's not Tennessee. They haven't had a pass rush all year. Cleveland is interesting to me just because they got a lot of horses at defensive tackle, and we know that Miles Garrett is arguably the best pass rusher in the game. He's in the top five for sure. They got a nice run Indy, game, too. That counts. Yeah. Indy, especially if that running game starts waking up, just because DeForest Buckner in the middle is a problem. Uh, their old uh, pass rusher, D Ford, on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got they got some, but I, I don't know. The Indy has not fared well against Kansas in the past because they play a lot of zone, and Mahomes can eat up the zone. Miami, we saw, can get the pressure, and and and, but I don't think that they have the offensive firepower to keep up. But they clearly have the corners that you could put on an island in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and they have a lot. And and I want to say also, I know that I kind of said I did say Jalen Hurts is better than Tua. Let's also acknowledge that Tua went in with half of a deck yesterday. He lost Devontae Parker early in the game. He lost Shaquem Grant early in the game. Mike Gusecki went down after a big catch with a shoulder injury. They were down some offensive linemen, too. Uh, they lost Kyle Gaskin, their best running back. So, like, yeah. I actually thought that Tua played a better game overall. I'm just hopped up on Hurts right now. Uh, I don't think they have the offense for it. And the only other defensive line that I think could make it interesting is Baltimore. Just because if Baltimore gets healthy and you got the Calais Campbell stuff in the middle, but as I say all of that, I don't trust Baltimore's offense. I don't yeah. trust Cleveland's offense in a shootout. I don't trust Miami's offense. And if Phillip Rivers has to play outside in Arrowhead in January, they're going to be putting in Jacoby Brissett. And so again, they got that one piece. I don't think they have all the pieces. Well, that's where you have to change your thinking. There's no team in the AFC, maybe in the NFL, maybe the Packers, maybe the Saints, if Drew Brees comes back, that's going to win a shootout with Kansas yeah. City. In it's order to Cleveland, win that man. game, that means Cleveland's defense has it's to come Cleveland. play. They got to slow Cleveland's it down, slow the game down. play a perfect game, and they need to run Nick Chubb until the wheels fall off. You know, I was thinking about, we were talking about Pittsburgh, I was just thinking about their running backs don't match their team anymore. They have their running backs from – I don't know, 10 years ago when they were going to get volume backs, volume carries, 30 carries a game, the, when when Ben first started, right? Yeah. They need faster, quicker running backs for the way that they want to play. Guys that can be – Miles Sanders and, type. And, and, yeah, guys that can hurt you in space. They don't match. And so now when you look at their running game, you're saying, you know, 31 carries in the last two weeks, which is not nearly enough, only 17 carries yesterday. But this is what hurts them. Their offense has turned into dink and dunks. When they're all, the reason why their offense is turned into dink and dunks is because they don't have any running game. And so right. what happens, the linebackers, they're, they're getting out of there. And it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm laughing because back in the day when Jeremiah Trotter were doing seven-on-seven seven drills, and Trot was a great run-stopping middle linebacker. Hell yeah, Physical, he was the axe man. 260, nasty. But in the past game, you try to take advantage of him. 
So what he would do in seven on seven drills, because he knew we weren't going to run the ball, was that he'll he'll back up to six yards deep, and as soon as the ball snaps, you're running out of there so he can get deep enough to be effective in the in the pass game. Well, that's what happens to the Steelers now. They have no running game, so the linebackers are hauling butt out of there. And so now they can't get those over-the-top throws to Eric Ebron like the Chiefs can do. They don't get those over-the-top throws to Juju in behind linebackers because the linebackers are 25 yards deep. They have to have a run game. They have to get yeah. established that. And unfortunately, with Big Ben being what, 38 years old, they're throwing the ball way too much, too much pressure on Ben to win the game all by himself. And that's going to happen more and more with that defense just not being the same defense it was earlier in the season. It's very interesting this happens in the NFL season where the thing that you are applauded for for a while, all of a sudden people start saying that is your problem. So mm-hmm. when they're 11 and 0, everyone's writing articles the way that Matt Canada and Randy Fickner have revolutionized Big Ben. They've taken the ball out of his hands and it was quick and that's how they got 11 and 0. I always think I would rather my team get figured out in week 11 to 14 then get figured out in the playoffs. And so now the Steelers are faced with a dilemma. That style of offense got us to 11 and 0. It also got us to 11 and 2. The question is, can you go in your bag and can you adapt? Can you start throwing out some heavy formation to throw people off? Can you start giving looks and do something different? I'll be very curious to see if Mike Tomlin goes Let's show some running tape these next three weeks. Let's put it on tape. Let's start finding ways that we're going to use play action because now you're not fighting. You're not the number one seed anymore. And likely you're not going to get it back. So now you need to be the spoiler. And I think they have to adapt and use what they've been doing to their advantage and throw people off. I just don't know how they would do it, Westbrook. One one point of the Steelers that you got to give them some type of pass in a way is playing three games in 12 days. That's just hard to do. And for them second home against the Ravens on that weird game where they faced RG3. Mm -hmm. Then five days later, Washington football, they played one game at 340, one game at five o'clock, and then six days later had to go to Buffalo. Just to get the NFL, yeah, they did them no favors at all. They're moving the games around. NFL players, sports athletes are are certainly creatures of habit. And so they didn't do them any favors. And, and if I'm if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm I'm pissed off about that. But listen, you, the ball, the coins flip, balls out there on the field. You go out and play. They just didn't look good. And they haven't looked good in a while. They haven't looked like they've just been this dominant football team in a long while. In order for them to win, they have to get back to that. Mm. And, and there's no rest for the weary. They got Cincinnati on Monday night football. They should be able to handle that well. And then after that, though, one o'clock home game against the Colts, mm-hmm. one o'clock away game at Cleveland. Yep. We just talked about two of the more physical teams. Uh, and in a normal year, if they were able to secure, secure the two, they'd have a bye. And so I, that's, that's well, why I'm Cleveland's trying to win that division. 17 this year. Cleveland's right. trying to win the division. I mean, they're not trying to get number, to, you know, the wild card. They're trying to win that division. So they got to try to win out if you're Pittsburgh. Mm. I mean, you got to be truthful about that. Man, unbelievable. Uh, other other big time games. I'm just kind of looking around the conference right now. Derrick Henry did his thing. Uh, Indianapolis able to get their win. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mitchell Trubisky. 
just because I feel like that has been a storyline forever. And I thought, uh, Ingber, I thought the statistics for yesterday were like the, if you were a Mitchell Trubisky propaganda (laughs) artist, it was perfect. Yeah, PFF put it out. Very funny that the passer ratings for 2017 quarterbacks uh, for this particular week, Trubisky at 126, Watson at 102, and Mahomes at 92. So it's official. They made the right choice. They got their guy. They made yeah. the right choice at number two with Trubisky. <laughs> uh, also, this one this one blew my mind, but then I looked it up on Pro Football Reference, and it is true. This is from Reddit user HiCoco. After today's game, Trubisky now has a higher career winning percentage than Deshaun Watson. He's 27 and 20 as a starter, which is actually not bad. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like Matt Moore, Chase Daniel type numbers uh, versus Deshaun Watson is 28 and 22 for his career. So a slightly higher winning percentage. I, I didn't even think it, it now that I'm seeing the numbers. Yeah, it makes sense. But I, I wouldn't even put them in the same stratosphere. Quarterbacks are important, but you win with a football team. How do you? How bad do you feel for Deshaun Watson? I, I just feel like he just needs to demand a trade. I mean, I, they can't protect him. They yeah, don't no treat him right. Picks. They won't. They they took his best weapons around from 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 him in D Hop, and they have no draft picks. Yeah, what, what are you doing? I I want to say first, I want to talk to gamblers out there because this was a perfect game where I went. You guys, you guys should not bet on games where there's no real playoffs to be had because it's so hard to understand motivation. That was a four and eight versus a six and six. And I after the game, it made me think, oh wow, that that loss to the Colts was really deflating for Watson, where he was doing that all by himself with these wide receivers that no one knew, and he lost Cooks, and they he got a bad snap and fumbled it at the end of the game. And, and apparently after the game, he was crying. And so then I go in this game and it's like, you know what? The season ended for the Texans last week. Like that mm-hmm. was like, I felt bad for him because he's like, man, I, I got to do this. And, and you know, the advantage for Mitchell Trubisky is he's playing with the Bears defense. You know, the Texans defense is an absolute sieve. Uh, I feel awful for Deshaun Watson. Um, but I, I think the thing that I took from there is the Texans lost 36 to 7 and Deshaun Watson had a quarterback rating over 100. Like, how often do you get blown out, score seven points, and you have a hundred quarterback rating? Um, I what's funny is I usually say I wish there were stocks of athletes. Let's just say when the season's over, I might be scooping up a lot of Deshaun Watson cards because I'm like, I just get more and more confident, even when they lose by 29, Westbrook. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I really, really do. Seven sacks yesterday. That Bears defense, when they when they turn it on, Khalil Mack. Uh, just looks like a complete animal, which we haven't seen very much this season. I mean, he just looks like he's taking a couple games off, quite honestly, because they've struggled. But, yeah, Deshaun Watson, man, come on, brother. They, they got to find a way to protect this kid, get him a run game, get him some help around him. But that's a couple-year process, and they don't have the draft picks to do it. So yeah. how do they help him? And, and I, I don't know that they, they find the answer. You got to get yourself a good quality head coach that knows how to establish – the run and help your quarterback. That's what I would do if I'm Houston. Tonight is an epically big night for the AFC playoff picture. Uh, According to Steve Karnacki's board last night, the Baltimore Ravens are now in the catbird seat. So if they find a way to win this and they move to eight and five with the Raiders falling to seven and six after getting run all over by the Colts yesterday uh, with uh, teams kind of falling by the wayside, it, we went into it. We were going, who's going to get that seven seed right now. 
it sure does look like it's going to be the Ravens. And so tonight is going to be really big. Also, just to know, like, this is a huge game for the Browns, where every game from this point on is a huge game for the Browns because we're trying to see how legitimate this all is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say the Browns aren't a real nine and three, but like they're a very unique nine and three. And uh, I'm curious, let's, let's get a prediction that is surely to be wrong after people listen to this podcast. What do you think happens tonight? I like the Browns in the way that they've played. We, we got to be honest. This team has come a long way from where they were. They may not be the legit nine and three, but they certainly aren't where they were last year in different places. And Baker has played within himself from time to time. Number one, they have a great defense, a defense that gets out to the quarterback. They do a good job of harassing him, putting the quarterback under siege, and that's what you want. Um, and the other dominant thing they have on their football team is a run game. And I'll tell you this, with Calais Campbell injured, we haven't seen a dominant run-stopping defense from the Baltimore Ravens. And the running the football in December and January is key to victories. And yeah, also, of quarterback not turning the ball run defense. They haven't really been as solid as they've been. In they have not looked like the same defense at all over the last couple of weeks. They just have not. Um, so I, I think the, the 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 Browns come out and run the football well. I think because they run the ball well, that's going to allow Baker to be more accurate. That's going to allow him to throw to more open receivers. So the play action pass, rolling him out is going to be a factor. And now we got to answer this question. Can Lamar come from behind? Can he throw the ball well enough if he can't run the ball to to make his offense, you know, viable? That's the big question about Lamar Jackson. Can he throw the ball well enough? Can he be accurate enough? We know that he can run. Now, if if Baker and the Browns get out to a big lead, now he has to throw the ball. What can he do to become accurate? What can the offense uh, do to make sure that he's a viable option if, if he just has to throw the ball down the field to win the game? Uh Ravens lead this all-time series 32 to 11. The Ravens have won eight of the last 10. I mean, they've won what seems to be 16 of the last 20, like around mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it being Baker and Lamar starting off in 2018, I don't know if either of them played in that October game. I think Lamar leads the series either three to one uh, or around there. Uh, it's crazy to think that they are both in the same draft class. Uh, but a lot of people are questioning Lamar right now, and a lot of people are getting on the Baker train. But I think this will be a true playoff field game, and we're going to be able to see how much does Cleveland's ground pound play action win it with win it kind of ugly style. How does that work? And then also, Lamar kind of woke up last week. You know, not a lot of people talked about it, but he started running. The the competition wasn't that great. But now this is an enormous game. I am going to say that the Ravens win this game. Uh, I think this is a come-to-earth moment for Cleveland. I I think it's a very close game, Uh, unlike what they've been lately. Baltimore won week one this season by 32. The last time they played, they won by 16 uh, before that. So uh, I think it's Okay. Because of all those things, I'll, I'll take Cleveland. Um, Could definitely happen. I'm not betting on yeah. this game, for sure. I'm, uh, Ingram, what do you think, I'm putting my money on the Browns for this one. I think this is a 
throw every trick play you've got at the Ravens type of game for Stefanski. I think Baker Mayfield catches a touchdown. I think there's going to be some, like even one of those like trick punt returns. They're going to do everything they can because they want to make sure that the Ravens do not get an easy road to the playoffs. I think there's so much hatred between these AFC North teams and the Browns are like, we have our chance here. We don't know when it'll come again. We have our chance here to kick the Ravens out of the playoffs and we're going to do it right now. Uh, I also want to say a visual that I wouldn't be against seeing. How many years did we see a Ravens running back setting like huge marks against the Browns? Like Jamal Lewis rushing into my head. Uh, I feel like Adrian Peterson had huge games against the Browns. I would love to see a flip if the Browns were to win. Nick Chubb is a guy that could play for the Ravens or the Browns. He is an AFC North guy. And I really would love to see him have a huge rushing day against the Ravens because I feel like Browns fans have seen the reverse of that, whether it's Lamar or Jamal Lewis, all of those years. Um, Westbrook, anything else football-wise before we get to our send-offs? Um, what else did we see yesterday? Obviously, Austin Eckler had a great game. We didn't even mention the Cowboys anymore, so we don't even talk about them, which is kind of amusing to me. Um, I don't know that we gave enough credit to Derrick Henry and his amazing game, 215 rushing yards. And and, and I'll say this about Derrick Henry. For a big guy, he has really good feet. And we talked about that with Jerome Bettis, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple months ago. But for a get, big guy, he makes guys miss, which is weird that that, that guys are missing this 6'4", 250 running back. He makes guys miss in the hole. And usually on defense, there's one guy that's going to have a chance. And if he makes that tackle – then it's a it's a good play. If he misses, then the play is going the other. I mean, the, the going the distance, and that's what continues to happen for Derrick Henry. I, I appreciate what he's doing, and I don't know that he actually gets enough credit for what he's doing there. Um, so that was impressive. The last thing, kickers, you have one job, one job. Mm. Dan Bailey, you missed three field goal attempts yesterday and an extra point. Your team lost by twelve. It's a whole different game. You're fighting for a playoff spot, by the way, if you're the Vikings. And you missed three field goals. You have one job to do. So while the real players are out playing football and practicing football and you're just kicking field goals all by yourself with your holder, focus on your job. Do your job. Because if I'm on that Vikings team and I'm Kirk Cousins and, and Thielen or Cook, I'm pissed off at you. Absolutely. You didn't fulfill your job yesterday. That's disappointing. Man. You know, as someone that PCs Pat McAfee, you really offended the brand right there. So that was, hey, that was kind of a lot. I love I'll Pat McAfee say, too. I'll say one statistical football thing before we do our wrap up. Uh, number one, whoever recorded that onside kick for the Eagles deserves a one hundred thousand dollar raise. Recovered, like, yeah. If that, if that, and I don't know if they officially announced whether it was Duke Riley or whoever, but like whoever got that, like teams. They, like for guys that get big fumbles, they deserve raises on the spot. Not a game ball. Fuck a game ball. Give this man some money. Um, number two, yards is a meaningless stat. It just is. And I don't know if there's a better way to, to surmise that than this. Matt Ryan yesterday passed Peyton Manning for most yards in their first 13 years I in saw the NFL. That. Just throw it away. Just throw it away. Like Matt Ryan is not even on the same planet as Peyton Manning. Like it's not even on no, the No, he has planet. more yards, so he's better. Uh, the the numbers are yeah, right exactly. there. 
Uh, and the the only other thing that I was going to say is you're absolutely right. If Cleveland wins this game, not only are they like in the playoffs, what if they win that division? Because I would ask you, if they somehow take it from the Steelers, there is a chance that they get to play Miami, the seven seed, instead of Tennessee, the four seed. And I'd much rather face Tua in the playoffs than Derrick Henry. So the AFC North is very much up for grabs, and it should be exciting. I cannot handle my internet anymore. It's time to go for Brian Westbrook. You know, guys, I, I think I want to say this, and I think it's really, really um, truthful and it's, and, it's, and it's freeing for me. I took the kids to go cut down a tree um, this Saturday, and it was just a great experience with all the kids. And it just reminded me to enjoy and appreciate the small things. We, we're in a crazy year with deaths and all this other crazy stuff, but we got to make sure we appreciate the small things and not just be saying, you know, we need a championship. We need this big thing to um, to, to make us appreciate the small things in life. And I, I say that in particular to the Eagles fans. You know, the small things. Winning a football game is a, is a small thing when you look at the total season. But this is a great win for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's appreciate this win. And, and it shouldn't turn into a situation whether it's, it's it's hurts versus wins. Let's just enjoy this thing. Enjoy the victory. Enjoy your family and in days like this. And that's one of the most important things. The small things. For David Inger. The Washington football team changed their name this year. They're in first place. The Cleveland baseball team just announced they're going to change their name. Nothing bad happens. I know there's a lot of resistance to changing your name. I'm sure it's tough for marketing and merchandise and all that stuff. But the Washington football team is still here. They're winning football games. They still have their fans. The Cleveland baseball fans are not going anywhere. And now all eyes are on you, Kansas City football team and uh, Chicago hockey team. Mm. I am at the L-E-F-K-O-E man. And uh, I think that what Westbrook said is a beautiful uh, uh, idea to let's just all love and be happy. The Jalen Hurts era has officially begun. And everybody is on notice. And this isn't even about Carson Wentz. This isn't even supposed to be a negative slant to him at all. It's to everybody else. It's to the Daniel Jones enthusiasts that watch him mope around like an absolute rag doll yesterday. It's to the Washington football team fans that absolutely have a great pass rush, but watch their former first-round pick go out there in the second half and do Dwayne Haskins things. And it's about the Cowboys who are so excited that Andy Dalton looks good against his former team, the Bengals. Jalen Hurts is not only the future of the Eagles, he's already the best quarterback in the NFC East. And I just want to say, here we go. Love you. Let's go.